You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Welcome as he comes to preach, and we love you, Brother Joe. And we're looking forward to hearing you. Love you, brother. God bless you. Well, glory, brother. I'm so tired of social distancing. I'm going to grab somebody and just kiss them right upside the head. <laughs> it ain't going to be him, though, I'll tell you that. Oh, boy, good to be under the gospel tent tonight. Good to be back in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. Uh, there's Roanoke Rapids, and then there's the rest of it. Amen? And uh, good to see you under the tent tonight. Good to have Joseph Moats with us. Uh, his dad, Brian Moats, he grew up in Roanoke Rapids, not far from where I grew up in Roanoke Rapids, and we never met until he joined our church in Atlanta, Georgia, 40 years later. And I said, Brian, where are you from? He said, well, a little old town in North Carolina you ain't never heard of. I said, try me. He said, well, Roanoke Rapids. I said, I live there, son. And this is his son, Joseph, and he got called to preach, and he is headed to Bible College at a place called Santa Clara, California, at the North Valley Baptist Church, the Golden State Baptist College, one of the very few I still recommend. And I heard it was a pretty good one. I've heard they turned out some real good preachers in the past. I mean, in the present. And... Uh, but we're so excited about Joe's ministry, and uh, he's a stem winder. He can preach, and I love him, and I thank the Lord for him. I do have my mom here. She hadn't been out of the house in 11 weeks, but she heard there were some rich single guys here tonight, and she has taken applications. <laughs> Over the phone, over the internet, background checks, and the only requirement you got to have is be rich. You don't even have to be saved, just be rich. And you live with her, she'll get you saved, I'll tell you that. My sister and her husband, and good to have the Kennedys. They drove all the way from Norfolk, Virginia, and they have with them tonight their grandson, brand new right off the press. Uh, I heard some people talking, Kennedy, they said, look at that old man with that baby. Surely that ain't his. No, it ain't. And I appreciate them being here tonight. Other pastors in there, John, good to see you. And uh, Brother Kobernack, I love you, my friend. And I brag on you all over the country. I tell everybody there's a couple of young guys that's really doing a work for God. Brother Jeremy, you're one of them, and I love you, son, and I'm proud of you. The hand of God's upon you, and in these days in which we live, we don't need less of this. We need more of this, and I want you to turn tonight to the book of Genesis, chapter number 26. Uh, I'm going to say this tonight a little different. My wife, Julie, sends her regards, and she wants to thank you so very much for having this revival. 
I've had 33 speaking engagements cancel because of COVID-19. We set up the house and stared at each other for eight weeks. And the only thing worse is if her mama would have come. I tell you, that would have been. About five weeks into that, she said, don't you have somewhere to go preach? We've not been together that much in 40 years. But I'll tell you what, we made it, and I found out that girl can really cook. Hamburger helper, Campbell's chicken noodle soup. <laughs> I'm a brave man when I'm not around her. But this whole ordeal has been really a difficult thing on the preachers and on the churches. But I believe we're still more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm like you. I grew up in the, on the pew of a Baptist church, and my daddy would preach. And he'd preach from the book of the Revelation. He loved it. He loved preaching from that. Not like a heathen, but I just couldn't get it in my mind, some of the things he would preach about. The mark of the beast. How that without that mark, you couldn't buy, you couldn't sell. They would trace you with that mark. And I'd think, how? He'd talk about the Antichrist having answers and deceiving millions. And I thought, how can one man do so much damage? Well, then they talk about two witnesses raised from the dead in Jerusalem and the whole world seeing it. I mean, back in them days, Al Gore hadn't even invented the Internet yet, so we had no idea <laughs> what was going on. Satellite, never heard of that. But now we see how easy the one-world government overnight, and I said this to our harvest people the other day, in 24 hours, Brother Colbert, every god that America has worshipped for the last 40 years was brought to a standstill. Sports, education, money, Hollywood, and even dead vain religion. It all came to a halt. And may I say what a wonderful time to be a Christian. And what a wonderful time to be faithful unto the Lord. Someone said, what are you going to do in the midst of all of this? What I've been trying to do for the last 40 years, hold a God's unchanging hand, trust my Heavenly Father, and be faithful. Because, honey, the best is yet to come. I believe what you've seen is a trial run for the great tribulation period. But I've got news for you. When the tribulation enters, I'll be gone. Turn to somebody to your right and say, hmm, I really get to go. Praise God. Genesis chapter number 26 in your Bible tonight. And I, I love my Benny Hinn microphone. I just love this. You ever heard of Benny Hinn? Well, I'm Joe Rooster, and I'm glad to have you tonight. Genesis chapter number 26. I love the way you laugh. That's awesome. 
Genesis chapter 26 and verse number 17. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Jear and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. Can I remind you tonight that they did not dig new wells. They just unstopped the wells that had already been dug. And they digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley, and say this last line out loud with me, and found there a well of springing water. They say that little word springing literally means living water. Water that makes a difference in somebody's life. Now, I believe tonight that that water was there all the time. They just had to break through the dirt to get to it. And with that in mind, I want to preach tonight for three or four hours, praise God. We'll just preach coronavirus out of the state of North Carolina. I want to preach for a while tonight on digging where my daddy dug. Because the Bible said they dug in the same wells that Abraham, his father, had dug. I love these patriarchs and pilgrims in the Old Testament. Did not Jesus say in the New Testament that we are pilgrims and strangers? I love what Vance Havner used to say. He said the reason why we're not experiencing revival. We have too many people that in our churches that are citizens of this world and strangers to the next world instead of being citizens of the next world and strangers to this world. And may I say tonight, if you're under this tent, and you're an old-fashioned, born-again, blood-washed, Bible-believing child of God, you are a stranger living in a strange world. This world is not our home. And I really believe tonight the closer we get to the rapture of the church, the more strange this world is going to be to us and the more strange we're going to be to them. As I begin to study these patriarchs, these pilgrims, I found there were three things associated with them every time you see them. Number one, a tent. Every time you see these pilgrims and strangers, they're not building houses. They are erecting tents. You know why they are tent dwellers instead of house dwellers? Because this world was not their home. They were not to drive their stakes too deep in this old world. For they were on a journey 
looking for a city whose builder and ruler is God. And they were not to get adjusted here because their destination was another country. Boy, can I say tonight, this blood-washed crown, we are looking for a city that hath foundations tonight, whose builder and ruler is God. And I'm not looking for a city going up, I'm looking for a city coming down. For I am a citizen of heaven. My name is written in the book of life. My name is over there. My home is over there. My Savior's over there. My citizenship is over there. My heart is over there. And one day I will be over there. A tent. Number two, every time you see these patriarchs and pilgrims, you will find an altar. Everywhere they went after they erect their tent, the very first thing they would do, they would build the altar. You say, now why were they altar builders? Because they knew if they were going to survive in hostile, strange territory, there must be a place where they could get a hold of God and God could get a hold of them. Lord of mercy, can I say that again? They knew if they were going to survive in a hostile environment. They would have to have a place where they could get a hold of God and God could get a hold of them. May I say tonight as pilgrims and strangers, we better build us some altars, some altars of prayer, some altars of consecration, some altars of sacrifice, some altars of dedication, some places in our life where we can get a hold of God and God will get a hold of us. I'll tell you when the American family began to disintegrate, when the entertainment center took the place of the family altar, and I remind you tonight that an altar will alter your family. We need God in this day. We need to stay close to God in this day. We don't need less Bible. We don't need less prayer. We don't need less church. But so much the more as you see the day approaching. I see a tent and I see an altar. But the third thing I see in the lives of these pilgrims and the one I want to deal with tonight I see a well. Everywhere you see the pilgrims, they would erect the tent. They would build the altar. Then they would dig a well. You say, now why were they tent dwellers? Because this world was not their home. Why were they altar builders? Because they needed God. And why were they well diggers? because they would need the water to survive in that arid world. They would have to have a fresh water supply. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize tonight the most precious commodity to mankind outside of air and sunshine is water. You let a disaster take place, and the first thing they bring is fresh water. You can do without tea. You can do without Pepsi. You can, and anybody ought to be able to do without Fresca. Brother, you know you are a redneck if you eat sardines and drink Fresca. Can I get a witness? 
Boy, you can do without lemonade. You can do without Kool-Aid. Some of you live in proof. You can live off of moonshine. I mean, live without moonshine. You can live without a lot of things, but you can't live without the water. You've got to have the water. Now, you Bible students know that in the Word of God, Water represents two great doctrines. Number one, still water in the Bible represents the Word of God. You remember in the tabernacle, that became the temple outside of the holy place. They would have the brazen laver, and in that brazen laver was the still water where the high priest would look down. The water would reflect the imperfections upon his face, and he would reach in that brazen laver and take that still water and wash his hands and his feet and his face so he would be fit to go into the presence of God because that still water represents the Word of God. May I say to you on this Monday night, as pilgrims and strangers living in a God-hating, gang-saying world, we've got to have the Word of God. We have got to have the Word of God. You know what Jesus said to the devil in that 40-day wilderness temptation? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Thank God tonight I'm glad as a pilgrim and a stranger we have the word of God the infallible Word of God, the inspired Word of God, the impeccable Word of God, the impeachable Word of God, the indispensable Word of God. Man, I'm on a roll right there. Thank God for His Word. You know what Simon Peter said about the Word? He said, being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You know what Simon Peter said about the Word of God? He said, heaven and earth would pass away and the grass would wither and the flowers would fade but the word of the Lord endureth forever you know what the psalm of David said about the word of God he said thy word O Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path you know what David said about the word of God he said thy word O Lord have I hid in mine heart that I might sin against God you know what David said about the word of God that God has esteemed his word above his name. You know what David said about the word of God? Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. You know what Job said about the word of God? He said, I have esteemed the word of God more than my necessary food. You know what Jesus said about the word of God? He said, heaven and earth would pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In John 17, 17, in that high priestly prayer. He said, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Aren't you glad for the word of God? I didn't come tonight to hear what you got to say. You didn't come to hear what I got to say, but we're under this tent tonight listening to what God has said in his word. And as pilgrims and strangers, we got to have the word of God. And that still water represents the Word. But wait a minute. You Bible students also know that moving water, running water in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. 
It represents the Holy Spirit. May I remind you, as pilgrims and strangers, living in a world that hates the church, living in a world that hates religious freedom, living in a world that hates the Bible and hates God, if we're going to survive and keep our families and keep our ministries and keep our anointing and keep our testimony, it won't be by your strength. It won't be by my strength. It'll be through the power and the unction and the filling and the anointing of the Spirit of God in your life and in mine. Somebody said to the day, Dr. Arthur, are you a Baptist? I said, yes. And they said, what kind of Baptist are you? Number one, I'm a saved Baptist. Number two, I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. Number three, I'm a Holy Ghost Baptist. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You realize tonight, we wouldn't even be saved. Oh, that was country, wasn't it? We wouldn't even be saved. That's the next thing to North Carolina. Probably. We probably wouldn't even be saved. We could not be saved apart from the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that wrought conviction. It's the Holy Spirit that revealed our lost condition. It's the Holy Spirit that made us thirsty for God. We were drawn by the Holy Spirit. We were pulled by the Holy Spirit. We were wooed by the Holy Spirit. He introduced us to Jesus. We're baptized, regenerated placed into the body of Christ through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you what that prophet said. It's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And tonight on the first night of this meeting, let's get into the spout where the glory runs out and leave this place tonight with a fresh endowment of the river of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Boy, I love that text in John 7. The Bible said at the end of the day of that great feast. You know what I love about the Jews? They were the eatingest people that's ever been. They were the forerunner of the Baptist. Can I get a witness? Boy, I love the way they looked at it. God would meet a need. God would win a victory. God would answer a prayer. And you know what them Jews would do? They'd eat about it. They would have a feast. How many of you Baptists tonight like that feasting and playing more than you do that fasting and praying? Say amen. And boy, at the end of the day of that great feast, and I don't know why it took me 40 years to find this out, but I saw it. You know what feast they were celebrating in John 7? They were celebrating that great miracle in the book of Exodus when Moses led the people in the wilderness and they came to Moses and said, we're thirsty. And our wives are thirsty and our children and our cattle. There is no water to drink. You've led us out in the wilderness to die of thirst. We would have been better in the land of Egypt. They were the first independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James only Baptist. Can I say amen right there? And finally, Moses began to pray. He said, God, what are we going to do? God said, Moses, you look over there. You see that rock? You go over there, Moses. You, you take that rock and you smite that rock. 
Moses in obedience to command of God went over there and he smote that rock and you know what happened when Moses smote that rock out of the belly of that rock came a river of life giving water the next time they needed water God didn't tell him to smite it again he said just speak to it and if you'll speak to the same rock that you have smote the same thing will come through the speaking as it does through the smiting you know why that was important? Because the Corinthian epistle said that that rock followed them in the wilderness and they drank of that same spiritual rock and that rock was Christ. That's why it was going to be smitten once but spake to as many times as ye needed it. Oh, aren't you glad 2,000 years ago on a hill far away, the rock of ages, the cornerstone of my salvation, the cornerstone that was laid in Zion was smitten and crucified. But aren't you glad tonight when an old sinner needs salvation, he don't have to go to the cross again. He doesn't have to be crucified again. For whosoever shall call upon, Lord, I'm enjoying my own preaching right there. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He died once. He was crucified once. He got up once. You say, why just once? Because once was enough. And boy, when he smoked that rock, here come that water. And Jesus in John 7, at the end of the day of that great feast, stood forth and cried with a loud voice, and said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. They got water on their mind, Brady. They got water out of a rock on their mind. They got water out of a smitten rock on their mind. And Jesus stands up and says to that crowd in John 7, if anybody thirst, let him come unto me. He's the rock of ages. He's the chief cornerstone of the church. He's rock of ages, cliff for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now remember this tonight, church. The greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And the very next verse says, And thus he spake of the Holy Spirit, which they should receive receive that believe on him. And the Lord Jesus said, when you come and believe on me, 40 acres of hell moves out and 9 million acres of heaven moves in and you got a river on the inside. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad tonight living in me is a river, the river of the Holy Spirit of God. He wants to help me. He wants to befriend me. He wants to lead me. He wants to guide me. We've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit as pilgrims and strangers. I enjoyed that Bible study. Hallelujah. And they dug that well because they needed water. But here's my message. They not only needed water for themselves then, but Abraham knew that would be another generation 
that would walk that same path and fight that same enemy and face that same desert and they were going to need a drink of water too. Boy, aren't you glad tonight there's been some men and women that went before us that dug some wells. They not only dug it for themselves, but the next generation whoo, could find a drink of water. Can I say this tonight? And I hope you're very patriotic because if you're not, you're going to get real uncomfortable. And I enjoy making people uncomfortable. I have a degree in aggravating the sheep. You know why we live in such a wonderful nation? You know why we live in such a wonderful nation? You know why we live in such a wonderful nation? And if you don't think it's wonderful, they got boats and planes that leaves, well, outside of COVID-19, that leaves every day, and we'll raise the fire and buy you a one-way ticket to Iraq. The reason why we live in such a wonderful nation, there was a generation pastor that went before us. They didn't make a contribution. They gave a total sacrifice and they dug a well. And we got a nation because the generation before us left us one. You know why there's a church in this city? You know why there's a place in this city where souls can be saved and lives can be changed? Because a generation went before us, got a hold of God, God got a hold of them, and they had revival, and they dug a well, and here we are tonight, drinking out of the well, somebody dug along their path, because God knew we would need it too. I traveled across, well, before COVID-19, I've traveled across the depth and breadth of this nation, from North Carolina to California from Florida to Michigan. I've preached in Arkansas. I've preached all over the world. And there's a reason why people love living in North Carolina. You ever go to Arkansas, you wish you was back in North Carolina. Can I say amen? Whew. I always get in trouble. No matter what I try to do for the Lord, but I've spent my life traveling and for the last 40 years, nearly every week or two, across America, I bump into somebody. Where are you from? Well, a little old town in North Carolina, you ain't never heard of. I have met so many people that's from Rono Crappage, I'm surprised we got anybody left. I just want to say, if you've stood the test and held down the fort and kept Second Street going, glory, 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 hallelujah, there's a puffy cloud in heaven with your name on it. But pastor, every time, I'm from Roanoke Rapids, and I'll say something like this, you know God, you've been saved. I'm telling you nearly every other week of my life for 40 years I hear this, oh yeah, Oh, yeah, in the late 50s and the early 60s, Oliver B. Green came to our city and put up a tent. My daddy got saved, and my mama got saved, and I've been living for God 
That's what you call old-fashioned well digging. I pulled up on this property tonight and saw this tent. My mind went back to 1974, probably down that way. That was an old brown canvas tent up, and that was an evangelist from Atlanta, Georgia, five and a half foot tall, four and a half foot wide, bald-headed, pot-bellied. Son, you can't preach until you get bald-headed or fat one. I'm both. You sit there and laugh. You're right behind me. Say amen right there. Oh, Brother Mays Jackson from Atlanta, Georgia, with that crooked finger of preaching under a tent right over yonder under them trees next to that old building. And the power of God fell. I was about a 12 or 13-year-old boy sitting in that service. I tell you, that man of God preached that night. Man, he'd sweat. Somebody asked Brother Mays one time, why do you sweat when you preach? He said, because the Bible said a man ought to earn his living by the sweat of his face. And since they pay me to preach, I don't want to take my money crooked, praise God. Boy, he'd go to preaching. He'd go to lathering up. Boy, he's in Maryland one time preaching. And this little lady in Maryland came up to him. She said, Reverend Jackson, while you were up there preaching tonight, what was that white stuff gathering in the corners of your mouth? He said, honey, that was milk from Canaan's land. Somebody say amen right there. Boy, that man of God was a preacher. That man of God was a preacher. And boy, I remember that altar call. Oh, do not let the word depart. Close thine eyes against the light. Sinner, harden not your heart. Be saved, old tonight. And I felt a wave of Holy Ghost conviction come running across that tent, flowing through that tent. And I saw grown men and women and boys and girls bow on their knees and trust God. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad for it generation. They didn't compromise. They didn't turn back. They didn't give in to the devil. But they dug in with God. And they dug a well. And they got a hold of God. And God's got a hold of them. Aren't you glad tonight all of us is a drinking out of somebody else's well? Aren't you glad the generation before us dug a well? And we're drinking out of it tonight. And here's what happened in our text. When the old guard died, when old father Abraham went to sleep in the arms of Jehovah God, here came the Philistines. You Bible students know that that in the Old Testament typology is a picture of the enemy whose big old giant that David had to whoop. And if you say whip, you've never had a whooping. Who was it that gouged out the eyes of God's man, Samson? The Philistines. It's a picture of the world and the flesh and the devil. And you know what happened when the old guard died? The Philistines. The world and the flesh and the devil throw dirt, throw the earth, put the world in the well. Now here comes the next generation they're hot, they're tired, and they're thirsty, but they got a problem. The world has stopped up the well. Can I park right here and have me a little fit? We are living in a day when religion and the world and entertainment and sports 
and pleasure and money and laziness and laziness and apathy and carnality and apostasy. Somebody throw me some more adjectives, and I'll preach on that too. Has tried to stop up the wells of old-time religion. They're trying to send another generation to hell without any knowledge of God whatsoever at all. They want to enslave the next generation. They want the next generation to know nothing about God. They want them to die of overdose. They want them to die heathens. They want them to die without God. The devil's worked overtime, stopping up the wells. But I believe under this tent, somebody's going to get them. A Holy Ghost shovel tonight and go to digging and go to digging and get pride out and get carnality out and get apathy out and and get lying out and get stealing out and get gossiping out and blow it out, get it out and let the wells of God flow in our life again. The devil had stopped up the well. You realize I preach in churches nearly every week of my life and some of them I'm the youngest person there. And when I go to preach, and I'm the youngest person there, it's a nursing home revival. I'm getting ready to turn. Oh, mama, this puts you up there, honey. I love you. 58 years old. Oh. How did one man get this ugly? In 58 years. Some of you don't need to laugh. You made it in 38. Say amen right there. I was in a meeting not far from here, Brother Jeremy, about an hour from here. And I looked around, and I was the youngest person by 20 years in that room. And I began to cry. I said, oh, God. Five years from now, if God doesn't send revival to that church, there will not be a church there. Boy, it is so good to be in this room tonight and see some young people under this tent. Can I run a rabbit if I hurry? Don't you believe what these dead religionists say? Young people really don't get in on that. Oh, they like that. And I don't like to use this word, and I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but you know the biggest fan base I got is young people. They come to watch me preach. They're wondering, what is he going to do next? Oh, but I'm glad while they're there watching, God's a pouring some water and God's a putting some word. And if one young person in the next three nights walks this aisle and gives their life to God and 40 years from tonight, 40 years from tonight, they're standing on this pulpit preaching the word of God, it's been worth all of the world again. Every year when I come to Roanoke Rapids without fail, I see people that knew me before I knew the Lord. And 
fact, there's people under this tent tonight. Shut your mouth. Because as soon as you start on me, I'm going to do the Baptist thing and start on you. Fats Warren, anybody had a head-on collision with him before you got saved? He ain't always been about grace. I went off the radar several hours one day. Ooh. And the sheriff's deputy, and I don't mean Barty Fife. I mean Chuck Norris, dude. For those of you who don't watch television, you'll be all right. There's things about, <laughs> hey, man. He rolled down that window and said, Job, your daddy called to tell me if you see that heathen of mine, tell him to come home. I went home because I knew I couldn't whoop him and I knew I couldn't whoop my daddy. Some of these little jerks, you know what they need? They need a Chuck Norris in their life. I just want to bow out and say, I didn't need Fats Warren. I didn't need J.B. Arthur. Over there sat Wonder Woman. And son, she knew how to use a fly swatter. You know what a fly swatter is? It ain't made to swat flies. It's made to beat a youngin' with. Somebody say amen right there. Somebody said to your mom and daddy leading prayer before they whooped you. No, but I prayed several while they was doing it. Every year when I come without exception, I'll meet somebody or they'll say, are you the same Joe Arthur that I knew in the 70s? And I have to admit in one way, yeah, but no. You're going to get that in a minute. Yeah, I'm the same as far as the person, but not the same. And they'll look at me and say, man, I heard you became a preacher. And I go, well, kind of. I'm trying. And then they'll go, boy, I'm surprised. And I go, me too. I heard you've been pastoring the same church in Atlanta, Georgia, 35 years of your life. Yes, sir. I'm not the pastor of our church. I'm what keeps them from having a pastor. <laughs> Don't laugh right there. That hurts. They'll say, really? They'll say, I'm surprised. And I say, me too. Brother Joe, I hear you travel every week of your life and you're preaching meetings all over the country. Man, I'm shocked. And I go, me too. Because my daddy's mother told me this from the time I was a knee-high boy. You're going to be in prison before you're 21. You'll be in jail before you're 21. 
you know what I did on my 21st birthday? I know I shouldn't have done it, but I backslid. I called her up, and I sang her a verse of Merle Haggard's number. I turned 21 in prison doing life without parole. No one could leave me right, but Mama tried. There's a lady in the back shouted when I sung that. God bless you, sister. You said, how do you know the words to that? I eat at Waffle House. I, I know the words to all of them songs. Woo! My friend Ralph Sexton's got this message on rock music. He says if you take a rock and roll CD or tape or something and play it backwards, you hear demons talking. Well, I tried one of them country songs the other day, and I played that thing backwards. I got my truck back, my gun back, my dog back, and three girlfriends back. Say amen right there. Oh, they'll say, Brother Joe, I'm really surprised. There's nobody under this tent more surprised than I am. This is my theme song. It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he can do for you. Brother Dickens, that little snotty-nosed preacher's son over there throwing rocks at your mailbox, I'm preaching to you tonight. I had to confess and get that off my heart for 50 years. Say amen right there's a little old lady somewhere in this town. God bless her. If she's still alive, God bless you, sister. If you're in the Lord's presence, uh, you don't need to know this. If you're the other place, it don't matter. But, boy, one night we was throwing rocks, and she called Fats Warren and said, that Joe Arthur is lighting fireworks on my porch. Here come my daddy. Here come where's them fireworks. I ain't got no fireworks. I didn't lie. I didn't have no fireworks. But I had me a pocket full of rocks. Amen. And I'm here to tell you who would have known that little old snotty nose preacher's boy throwing rocks at that little lady's house would stand under this tent tonight saved by the grace of God full of the spirit of God preaching his soul out. You know why? Because I want to tell you somebody went before me and they dug a well and I got to drink from it and I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to dig a well so the next generation 40 years from tonight can have a preacher can have a church can have a tent revival because as long as the church of Jesus Christ is in this world the double R Roanoke Rapids North Carolina needs a light needs a witness needs a voice let's dig the well so somebody can get a drink of water and here it is and I'm done they came and they needed a drink but the well was stopped up they said, Isaac, I love this preacher, Jeremy. Isaac, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to start right here where Daddy dug. And we're going to dig right here in this well. I can see Isaac as he tell those children, dig. There's water in there. How do you know? Daddy said it was. I saw my daddy drink out of this well. That's why I don't plan on changing Bibles because I done seen my daddy drink out of that one and it works. That's why I'm not going to change our music because daddy drank out of that and it works. 
That's why we're going to keep on running buses and winning souls and passing out tracks and knocking on doors. And soon as COVID-19 lifts, have Sunday school and children's church and, and, and win the lost and preach on Sunday morning and preach on Sunday night and go back and preach some more Wednesday night because I saw Daddy drink out of the well and I saw Mama drink out of the well. And I want to tell you, my Daddy said, there's water in there. So I want to say, keep on digging, keep on digging, keep on digging. There's still water. Water in the well. Now digging's hard work. And I'm sure it got tiresome. Weary, hot, calluses. But I believe Isaac said, keep digging, boys. Keep digging. Right here's where daddy got a hold of it. Right here's where daddy got a hold of God. Keep on digging, boys. And about that time, sure enough, I'm from Georgia. I got to use that word one time. Shawled up. Water come springing out of that well. And I can see Isaac. He said, you know what happened? When we dug in the same place where daddy dug, we got the same thing that daddy got. Water out of the well. Brady, I want you to come. Just stand beside of me a minute. This is... You know who he is. He's Brady Rochester. I know his mom, his dad, his two brothers, his sister. I even know your brother-in-law. In fact, your brother-in-law's father sitting right back there grinning at me with his arm around some lady. Dear God, I hope that's his wife. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know how them Matthews is. This is a dear man of God right here. Brady, I've been knowing you, son, since you was 14 years old. You've always lived for God. I love your mama, and I love your daddy, son. Now, I'm going to tell them this story, and I've got you here to vouch for me because there's some people out here don't believe a word I say. <laughs> and if you knew me like they knew me, you wouldn't believe a word I say. <laughs> but how old was your daddy when they had that revival in town? And the, and the local public school bust a group of people out of the public school over to the Baptist church in the morning to hear J. Harold Smith preach. How old was your daddy? He was 11. <laughs> that morning in that service, his daddy, 11 years old, walked the aisle trusted Christ as his Savior. His daddy, his daddy's brothers, started a prayer meeting down in the woods. And every day they would go to pray, they would take a rock with them. And that rock would represent a prayer. Am I telling it right? And they'd lay that rock on that altar, and man, it got pretty big, and they called it the old rock altar. One day his daddy goes down there as a young teenage boy. It tears my nerves up, Brady, with a rock. And when he put that rock on that altar, he said, Lord, I want you to let me meet a saved Christian young lady. I want her to become my wife. And I want you to bless me and her with children that I get saved. 
and honor God and raise their families to serve the Lord. You're looking at the results of that. He's got another brother that's a preacher and a singer, and his family travels and sings. He's got another little brother that can play anything with strings on it. makes me wonderful. I'm not going to be jealous. And he's got a family that travels and sings. His little sister married a fine young man. Your boy, Scott. And they got three precious kids, and they travel and they sing. You look at me tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that just didn't happen. Paul, Paul, your daddy boy. If your daddy was here tonight sitting on that pew watching that chair, watching me preach, he'd cry. He'd smile at me. He'd nod his head at me. He'd give me $20. Did I tell that story right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Your daddy's your hero, ain't he? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Let's stand together. Could somebody dig through the world tonight? Could somebody dig through our apathy tonight? <laughs> oh, Lord. Could somebody deal through our, dig through our carnality tonight? Tap into God. And say, Lord, do something in this generation. Do something in my family. Do something in my life. And if you're here tonight and you're a young person, will you let this old man say something to you? There's nothing like serving Jesus Christ. There's nothing like honoring God with your life. There may be a young person in this room tonight you wave that white flag of surrender and give God your everything 40 years from tonight. No telling at the lives you can touch for the cause of Christ. And while we're dealing with this COVID-19, I don't even know how we give invitations in this. This is how I feel led of the Lord, and I asked the pastor and got his permission. But tonight, if you like for your life, to touch somebody else's life. Not only tonight, but in the generations to come. Raise your hand real high with me all over this tent and pray with me tonight. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, let me walk with you. Let me be filled with your spirit. May the word of God be my compass and be my God. Lord, may I live for you in such a way that my life would not only influence people today, but the next generation. Oh, God, use me to dig a well so somebody can get a drink. And I promise you, Lord, I'll give you all the praise and I'll give you all of the glory because we ask it in our Savior's name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' powerful, eternal, wonderful name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm through preaching. It ain't even dark.
And you're a liberal if you don't preach the dark. So open your Bible for page number two. Pastor, you come. The Lord is good tonight. Aren't you glad for somebody that dug a well for you? Mama, thank you for digging a well. My daddy's up in glory. He dug me a well. Your daddy's in heaven. He dug you a well. Your daddy dug a bunch of wells for a bunch of us young preachers. Aren't you glad somebody dug you a well? I guess my message is keep on digging. There's water in that there well. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.